Welcome to Connex, a global leadership platform for construction executives. Today, I have Anitha. Is, did I get that right? Yes, you did. <laughs> All right. Sanford, uh, and she's the uh, CEO of the Home Builders Association of Kentucky. And I, I uh, rather than me talk about her, I would like for her to kind of tell us about herself and, and tell us about uh, the Home Builders HBA of Kentucky and... Uh, and so did you grow up in Kentucky? Actually, I did. I'm originally from uh, Bowling Green, uh, Kentucky. My my family, though, my parents are from uh, Bergen, um, Kentucky, out of Mercer County. But um, I grew up in Bowling Green and I went to high school there and um, also went to Western. So I'm a hilltopper. Oh, OK, OK. You actually I live uh, in Nicholasville. So okay. I'm right down. I'm right down the road. We always go to the lake down by where Bergen is at. Yes, yes. And um, I live in Lexington now. But yeah, that's where I got my start in um, in a Bowling Green. And uh, while I was a student actually at Western, that was kind of my first introduction into the um, association world. I was working for uh, realtors, actually, that association mm -hmm. there. Um, as a you know college student and uh, I was cleaning the lock boxes that go on homes and uh, was also delivering MLS books. I'm in that in-between age. That's before the MLS was all online now, um, where, you know, Realtor.com, all of those. Mm -hmm. And um, so that's where I really began my start. And after um, graduating, <clears throat> I applied for jobs and I ended up um, uh, working for the Kentucky Realtors um, Association in uh, doing their uh, education and training. And so that was kind of my big introduction into, I guess I would say the real estate world and learning a little bit more about uh, construction. And then um, I was introduced to government affairs. That was not my background, um, but I had worked in that organization and my boss at the time, um, who I was thankful to have, who wanted to see me flourish. She said, you know, I know you don't know government affairs, but I think you'd be great to began doing our lobbying in Frankfurt and uh, lobbying housing issues. And so um, that was how I started working um, in Frankfurt. And then I met my former boss, Bob Weiss. You may be familiar with Bob Weiss. He ran I am. This, yes, he ran this association for 35 years. And um, I had the pleasure of working for him uh, for six years. And then when he retired and the job came open, I applied like some others and um, was I've been the CEO for about a year and a half now. Well, that's a that's a great story, and uh, it's always good to have uh, have uh, somebody that can kind of mentor you and 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 help you, and is has enough vision to look beyond themselves. You know. Yes, absolutely. Um, I think that's so important to have encouragement. You know, people who have been around for a while that you know, again, like I said, want you to flourish. And um, honestly, I think um, you know, I've had two former bosses that have loved this industry so well and um, thankfully saw the potential in me and were very supportive um, of me uh, working in the industry as well. So talk to me a little bit about HBA of Kentucky. So um, the Home Builders Association of Kentucky, uh, we are a, a statewide volunteer, voluntary trade organization. Uh, we have about 4,600 members. Um, here in the state, but we represent about 
40,000 employees because the 4,600 members are member companies. Mm -hmm. And so they are specifically in, of course, housing um, and construction. Um, about a third of our members, though, are actually builders and uh, remodelers. The rest of our membership are the close, closely related specialties, sales, marketing, banking, um, finance, manufacturing, and then, of course, as you can imagine, um, uh, the suppliers. Um, so all of those that uh, supply uh, building materials and more. Um, we have, uh, many people are not aware, but um, we're a federation. So once you become a member at a local level, and we have 19 local associations across the state, of course, as many of us like to say, from Pikeville uh, to Paducah, and then from Northern Kentucky to Somerset, um, we have 19 local associations, and when someone becomes a member at the local level, um, they automatically become a member of um, the state and, of course, our national association, the National Association of Home Builders. Um, so uh, we've been around for um, 65 years, 1957. Mm -hmm was when the state association was established. Um, the locals, most of the locals were established first. Um, like for example, the BIA of Greater Louisville, um, uh, uh, the Lexington area, Central Kentucky. And then they all decided to form um, the state association, um, basically um, to provide a voice for um, residential construction and for housing um, here in the state capital. And um, that was the primary reason, and that's uh, the number one thing that we do. That's our number one focus is advocacy here. And that's kind of where I was headed next. Uh, so uh, your core focus, is it, you know, and I, uh, I know uh, you guys do a lot of things because I've had the fortunate uh, opportunity to be around. Uh, I met Laura when I first moved to Kentucky and uh and uh, what's laura's last name i guess i can't believe her new is night that's right that's right and she's yeah, gonna kill she's gonna kill me when i do <laughs> but uh but uh uh so uh i i knew her before she was married she she got married and uh um and uh i was always really impressed with all the things you guys do like the the uh the is it the Shelbyville event you guys do? But you yeah. guys do a lot of different things. So tell me about some of your focuses. Uh, we do, you know, and so that I'll just touch on that because that is something we do in concert with some of our other uh, related uh, associations uh, is, you know, the career construction fair that we have um, annually. Um, and that is a great event because it gives um, students um, you know, high school students an opportunity to come out. I mean, they can work on the backhoe. Um, they can, you know, see what it's like to be an electrician, a welder. You know, it introduces them to the trades. And as you aware are aware, that is has been a, um, a we've had that shortage. And you know, I I tell people all the time, especially here in Frankfurt, like you know, our builders and, and our members, like this workforce shortage started before COVID. Um, far as the skilled trades were concerned. And um, then, you know, unfortunately with COVID, uh, the shortage became a little worse. And then unfortunately with the um, tornadoes and um, I mean, the supply chain issue, uh, workforce development has, it's been, it's been tough um, on our members. And um, as you can, I'm sure as, as you have experience with as well, but um, uh, 
definitely workforce development is uh, something that uh, is definitely a priority for my organization as well as um, other uh, building and contractor organizations. Actually, we do quite a bit of collaboration uh, with um, these other organizations. Like, for example, when you had uh, Lynn with the uh, master contractors, uh, we work with the you know commercial contractors associated AGC. Uh, we work with them. Um, we have we're working on many ideas to try to uh, bring more awareness to um, the skilled trades. Um, you know, years and years ago, when the focus went more towards um, college degrees, there was a, a loss um, for the skilled trades area. But uh, we, two of our local associations, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but um, the BIA of Northern Kentucky and then the uh, BIA of Central Kentucky, they have building institutes. And so um, these are two uh, great programs um, in, that have welding programs, uh, electrical, HVAC, plumbing. Um, you know, I was just told plumbers right now are probably about the number one um, uh, trade that, that we need um, in the construction industry. Um, and, you know, there's, there's all sorts of jobs. And, you know, I love the fact that you can come out of, um, a program like this where you um, in Lexington, they work during the day and then they do their education in the evening. Um, and, and I mean, then they're ready to go as you know, as soon as they uh, graduate and uh, pass whatever licensing exam, whether it be an electrical HVAC or plumbing. And, you know, they've already been working, they're ready to go. And um, the last I heard, you know, some are even paying, you know, if you have a license, you know, $60,000 a year. And then most of the time you have no college debt. I mean, you have no college debt, but you basically have little to no debt at all. Um, and so those are two programs that um, I think are wonderful that we are happy to uh, support and be um, a part of. And, and you hit the nail on the head there. You know, uh, it's the push has been to uh, college education. I, I mean, I remember when my grandfather, he was a carpenter, and I remember uh, carpenters were looked, journeyman carpenters were looked at like uh, uh, white collar workers are looked at today, you know? Yeah. I mean, they were very, very, a lot of esteem came with that. And um, I will give universities uh, credit, they've done a good job of convincing everybody to go to college. <laughs> you know? But the reality is, is that uh that's not for everybody number one and more importantly that's not what you need to to make a living for your family either you know college is right. forty thousand a year you know and, or, and honestly who's to say you won't go back we have a member he has a wonderful story where he went to college then he was like college is not for me he became a licensed electrician <laughs> started working for another builder of ours and that builder said, you, you need to go out on your own. You are that good. And so he encouraged him to do that. And he's a huge remodeler um, in the Fayette County area now. And not only that, he decided to go back to college just so that he could learn a little bit more of the business side because now he was running his own business. So, and, um, you know. And that is 100% on, you know, there. And, and I think, you know, I always tell people I'm kind of a dinosaur but the truth of the matter is, is that there's a lot to be said for getting experience before you pack on the education because it puts everything into context, you know? Absolutely. And, 
And uh, um, I don't think of it as a one or another either. You know, I think it's, you know, that's, and for me, if you gave me a choice of working in the field or working in the office, uh, I, I like getting my hands dirty. It's something about going to a job every day. So, so you you mentioned, go ahead. No, I was going to talk a little bit about, uh, too, I was going to, our other focus would be in government affairs, relations, and um, uh, advocacy. And related to that, what do you guys primarily do? I know you guys do lobbying. What are kind of some of the things that you lobby, you know, uh, at the state level or the federal level uh, for um, related to, you know, HBA? Right. So um, I'll give you, you know, of course, we just had this legislative this legislative session. It's not over there in the veto period now, but we follow any and all legislation related to housing, building and construction in any form. Um, and that even goes to we watch um, employer type um, legislation. Um, we I'll give you another uh, a big topic that we dealt with this at session was, you know, regulation of homeowners associations. Uh, we follow legislation related to, to banking, um, you know, because housing affordability is, I don't think many people realize that um, some of that uh, cost is from regulations. Mm-hmm. And um, that's one of the reasons why we do our best to follow and monitor those things that may affect housing, but not just during the legislative session, you know, lobbying, but outside of that, the regulatory agencies, you know, like Department of Housing, Building and Constructions, which basically regulates um, housing in every form. That's where the building code is adopted and the residential code is adopted. Um, it's at those levels. And so, uh, we do our best to work, you know, with um, the commissioner of the Department of Housing. Uh, we do our best to work with the secretary of the Public Protection Cabinet, as well as the um, uh, Environment and Energy Cabinet. Um, anything, um, I, I know, it, but anything that would have um, an effect on housing, um, any form from landscaping. I mean, we watch um, tax reform. Um, you know, because ultimately, you know, this is going to be a cost to the uh, consumer, the customer. Mm-hmm. And so that's why we really do our best to try um, to fight legislation and regulations that um, could place someone out of a home. And we know we know now that doesn't take much. It could take $100 and someone might not be able to to purchase a home, um, upwards to $1,000. But, you know, the good thing about what we do as well is that, you know, when our members decide to build, people work. You know, we, we know when the, the economy is doing well, when we see construction um, going on. And although right now it's, our members are extremely busy, as you can imagine, the supply chain issue though has made it uh, very difficult um, during this time. But um, uh, yeah, uh, regulatory, uh, legislative, we we follow everything. We're in it. If it's if it's related to a home or construction, we're following it. So what do you see some of the bigger challenges in the next, say, five or 10 years that uh, you guys are going to be dealing with or the home builders uh, themselves are going to be having to deal with? And uh, I, I think... You've told me one of them, but what what are you kind of focusing on for the future? I think it's 
another thing that we're hearing the most is lot shortages. Um, uh, the land that's that's um, available. Um, you know, I think it's important that um, you know these uh, communities do their best to try to plan for growth um, because you know we all continue to grow. I mean, you know that that's that's what that's what we do. I mean, and we need to be able to uh, provide the housing uh, for our growing families, um, people who you know growing companies. Um, all, all is providing housing for those people, and um, you know, out, outside of workforce, that's that's definitely a, a number one issue. We hear more and more about lot shortages all the time. So, tell us about the process that HBA does when when you guys you know look at the future. Uh, do, you, do you guys have a board, or how, how does that process go through? It's, uh, you know, it's uh, so being an association, it's our membership. Our membership is what drives everything we do here. Um, our members um, that are the builders, remodelers and uh, the associates, which uh, we refer to the suppliers as our associate members. Um, that's who we look to. Uh, you know, we have uh, regular meetings. Uh, we meet, uh, we have a board meeting three times a year, but we are speaking often. Um, and that's where we know what our um, our statement of policy and what our uh, legislative and regulatory agenda may be and that's how we know what the future looks like i mean we just recently had a meeting with um um we had a panel uh, just with some of our suppliers and our builders uh, so they could have an open discussion and conversation about um you know the issues that they are dealing with uh with the supply chain um you know, not only is costs going up, but as we know, you know, some of my members, you know, they never ordered windows until the framing went up. Now, before they even break ground, they're having to order um, the windows and the garage wow. door. Um, you know, that's that communication within our organization and within our membership is important. And I drive uh, whatever issues they tell me to drive. And I do that on their behalf every day. Well, it's 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 funny how like there's a lot of power that comes from being involved with a lot of the people that do what you do, you know. So um, and uh, I can just imagine, you know, that's not something that I would think about. The first thing, you know, when you break ground is to order your doors and windows. <laughs> I, I, I would I, I, it would be nice if somebody else would tell me that before I got there. So I didn't have to learn through the school of hard knocks. So there's a lot of value in that. And uh, uh, I know the memberships I'm involved with, uh, uh, AGC and a few others, I, th I know that's extremely valuable to learn from other, everybody's uh, else's experience. It, it is, and I, I get calls daily. I had a member call yesterday about meters. Now there's a, you know, a, a meter shortage, um, 200 amp to 400 amp. You know, of course, as we know, 400 amp would be for a much larger home, but uh, 200 amp meters. And, you know, I don't, sometimes people don't understand that that can delay everything, right? You don't want your drywall going up unless you can control um, you know, the heat or air in the home. Uh, you don't want the wood floors going in. I mean, one small thing can slow up the entire process. 
Um, and that's definitely what our, our members are dealing with right now. Um, and, and they're trying, but uh, every day it's something different. I mean, it really is. It is something different. Well, you know, you've you had the privilege of being around somebody that, you know, your predecessor had been around for, you said, 35 years. Um, you know, based on your, you know, your the chance that you had to be around him and, and, and get some of his wisdom, what kind of significant events have really shaped the the model of the HBA has today? Um, I, you know, honestly, I think, and even with Bob's experience, <clears throat> I think strong, our foundation as far as strong advocacy is, has been the, the number one. And I think that's something that hasn't changed and won't change for our organization. It is important for us, and you know how sometimes we even say politics is local. It is so important for us to be involved and work with um, you know, the local entities and the state entities and how our national works with you know, the federal um, uh, government and federal entities just to make sure that you know, we can provide housing. I mean, Amer everybody wants to own a home. You know, we have the American dream of home ownership. And, you know, unfortunately, when $200,000 is the cost of a starter home, and as we know, people are graduating from college or, you know, um, or coming out of a, a trade school or a trade program, and they're only making, you know, thirty dollars or $40,000, it's going to be difficult to afford a $200,000 house, um, you know. I would definitely say housing affordability is um, key for our members. Um, and, you know, they do their best to provide the best quality housing that they can. And I think that's why they definitely, I mean, again, we're a volunteer organization. They like to be involved um, in, in all of the regulations related to housing um, because they're, it's practical. They're out there. They do it every day. Um, you know, just like, for example, uh, you know, the West Kentucky um, tornadoes, you know, we immediately reached out. I'm from Bowling Green myself, and that was one of the affected areas. But, you know, what we knew, what our members knew is that this was going to be a long term effort um, to help rebuild West Kentucky. And we have so many wonderful members who took their time to go there to help um, with removal um, of debris. And, you know, we have members and um, associations who are helping to do other things like uh, even build a home. And um, we're just, we're here, it's what we do. You know, they build and, and they're the experts in it. And, you know, going back to, you know, talking about my predecessor, our, our members build um, to the market. That's what they do, and um, you know, I, I think they do a good job of paying attention to uh, uh, what's to come. Um, and even uh, I recently had a conversation with the mortgage bankers because we talked about, you know, everybody's talking, well, housing, will the market crash? Is it going to crash? And uh, I think what we do know right now is that it's not, even with the interest rates going up. I mean, who, when my parents purchased their first home, their interest rate was 14 percent. Um, I'm in a generation where I think anything above 5 percent is, is, is insane. And, and, who, and who would have thought, that, you know, uh, interest rates for housing would be as low as 3 percent, um, you know, and, and but 
people want to purchase a home. They want, you know, that's a, a, the number one way for them to, to build uh, wealth as well. And um, I, you know, I could go on and on about, of course, the wonderful things our members do and what they look for to the future. But um, definitely, like I said, it, it's advocacy and um, just the being able to have the American dream of home ownership, but to build a home for everyone, for everyone. So let's talk about you for a second. And I, I know you're a modest person. Uh, before we got on today, we were laughing about that, you know, um, and just because uh, I try to encourage people not to be too modest because I want to I want to hear it and our listeners want to hear your story. So tell us a little bit about what do you think personally, the skills and abilities that you have had that have helped you grow in your role and grow in your profession um, and that help you every day. And and the reason I ask this question is because we have a a uh, smaller group of people that are are young uh college grads are young in the industry and they want to know what they need to do so mm -hmm. uh and I'm, I'm interested and i know you're i know you're you're humble and modest but try not to be here so, so, so. <laughs> well you know I, I always joke one i joke and say i'm so glad they didn't look up my college gpa when i took this job um, <laughs> 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 uh, was was one of those that when I first uh, started college, I was I was just happy and you know free. But what I what I what I do know about myself and and I believe how I got to where I am is because of hard work. Um, you know, it's it's ethics and it's wanting to do the work, but you also have to enjoy the work that you do. Um, and you know, not to go back to, you know, having supportive people who encourage you, but, you know, Bob White and my other former boss, Susie Helm, were very encouraging. But to do this job, especially when you're working in Frankfurt, you're working with, um, you know, uh, just you're working with all types of people. And so, one, being able to communicate. I think that's number one, um, being able to listen not always wanting to speak first because some people just want to be heard mm -hmm. and i think that's important and then diplomacy i would say if i had to brag on myself or say what my number one quality is it's definitely diplomacy i mean i um but it's it, i think that's why I, I do my job so well is you know you you, you have to be diplomatic many a times um being a servant leader I mean, that's what I enjoy. You know, I always say our members are number one and I'm number two. I'm I'm not number one. And um, I think that's um, that's important, um, you know, and honestly, being respectful, knowing how to talk to people. Um, and even if someone may disagree with you or they may not be as respectful, there's still a, a diplomatic way or respectful way that you can walk away from that as well um, well those are some, those are some pearls of wisdom right there for sure um they uh um tough tough to act out sometimes but i, uh, I absolutely think, <laughs> i think the one thing i i have learned over the years is that you only have control over your behavior so uh, you, you should do the you you can control your behavior you can't control about how somebody else reacts or treats you so you should do the best to to do to act in the manner you want to be known for, you know, right. and uh, 
Um, you know, along that same kind of line here, um, I also get the question about what what are some personal, you know, you know, person, our, our profession is a reflection of our personal life and who we are as a person, you know, and is there, you know, if you sat down with 18 year old uh, yourself and you were to talk to what, what words of advice would you give yourself? Your first semester is the most important. Make sure you make A's that first semester. But um, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, just to that it's okay to grow into it. I um, and it's okay to sit back and learn and watch. You know, I'm I'm thankful. I have a very supportive uh, family. Um, I'm a mom. I'm a wife. Uh, I have three girls. I'm, I'm raising all girls and actually uh, one with special needs. She has Rett syndrome, um, which is a, a neurological disorder. It's kind of like having autism and cerebral palsy. And, and she shuts, she's such a joy, all my girls are. But the, it's okay to grow into it. You don't have to know how to do everything. And be who you are. Because when you try to be someone else or act like you know everything, it's not going to work. And uh, I definitely wish I would have given my 18 year old self um, and it's okay to say no. <laughs> <laughs> it is okay to tell somebody, no, you don't want to do this. You don't want to go there. You, you know, that's okay. There's no, is not always a negative thing. Um, and then just um, being, being happy, enjoying life. I always say that life is good and we are so blessed. And I heard that. I heard somebody say that. Oh, gosh, right. I would say probably when I was about five years into my career. And that just stuck with me because um, there are so many people out here that uh, that have things really hard. And, um, you know, even just uh, being able to do small things um, is is great and uh, a blessing in many ways. But, um, yeah, I, when I took this position, I, I am a very uh, quiet. But again, like I said, I like to listen. And um, it's OK. My, my new motto is I've got this and I can grow into it. And um, you don't have to be the end all be all uh, when you first start in a position um, like this. Sometimes it is great to sit back um, and learn um, to gain a little bit of wisdom, um, to learn from the people who came uh, before you because they've had many years of experience doing that. Um, and, uh, but yeah, that's that's what I would say to my 18 year old self, um, be yourself. Well, once again, that's, that's really, really good advice. Moving to the speed round, I'm going to ask you uh, to rate eight different categories, one to 10. And, uh, you know, and I, I, for you, I really want you to think about, you know, obviously you're thinking about your members and how important these things are to you. And you could just give me a number, 10 being the most important you feel, uh, one being the least important, and they could all be tens. So that's okay. okay. Um, so I'll go ahead and start out. Project scheduling. Oh, that's a 10. Uh, yeah. Project estimating. 
Whew. I, yeah, that's definitely a, a nine to 10 too. Now I have two other ones here. One's contract administration, the actual uh, execution of the contract administratively. And the other one is the actual contract. So what numbers would you give those two? Um, I would say the actual contract would be a, a little higher for me. I would give that a, a nine, 10 um, contract administration. I mean, that kind of goes along with the scheduling and estimating like you had mentioned. Um, I, I, but I could give that maybe um, an eight. Project design. Oh, I don't see. I would say, I don't, you know, I, I don't know because I don't really do design. So that would be more of my, you know, I, I know more about the contracts because my members talk about that. Uh, so unfortunately, I'll probably have to give design probably about a seven. Accounting. That's important. That's 10. Business development or like I like to talk, it's selling work. I mean, you got to know about the, the future of, of, you know, your business and where you're going. So I'd say that's a, a 910 as well. And last but not least, leadership. It's, leadership to me would be a 20. Okay. Well, <laughs> why would you say 20? I'm interested. Well, because you have, because I believe one, you have to know how to lead. I think that's important. And um, I think you can hire everything else you need <laughs> underneath that, uh, which is what a good leader would do. Well, I, I, I know we've gone through some great things in our talk here today. I do want to mention, uh, I want to thank you for being on today. I want to thank you for representing the HBA Kentucky. Um, and uh, one thing you said that kind of resonated with me, what kind of came from uh, the Denzel Washington uh, commencement speech. And he, he, in that speech, he talked about hard work works, you know? Mm -hmm. And when you talked about hard work, I thought to myself, that seems so simple, but yet so vitally important. And I, I wanna thank you for giving us some of your insight. Um, I wanna thank you for being um, a woman in construction because we need more. And I say that we need more because if you look at the statistics, about 11% of uh, of our workforce in construction is women. And, uh, you know, that difference between people brings a lot of value. I, I tell everybody the story. The best project manager I ever had uh, was a woman. And because she had such superior communication skills and she taught me so much uh, mm -hmm. about communication. And uh, I know as a man, especially as a young man, that was something that I struggled with. So mm -hmm. I want to thank you for being a leader uh, for the leader for uh, women out there everywhere. And uh, and as I do with all my guests, I want to give you the last word. Anything you want to say to end this podcast? Um, thank you for having me. And um, to everyone who's out there who's learning, who's it's okay to grow into it. You've got this. Thank you so much one last time, and I want to thank our uh, audience for joining us for another uh, podcast today on Connects.